the best stories always have a backstory. I'm sorry, the best songs. The best songs always have a backstory. In that song, maybe the backstory is the time of pain. Maybe the backstory of that song is, is dedicated to someone special in their life that's going through something. Maybe the backstory of a, of a good song is their story, their experience. The best songs always have a backstory. And when we, when we know the story behind the song, uh, our appreciation or, and our understanding grows. For the next four Sundays, we are going to have this series called How Sweet the Sound. And we are going to look at the backstory of four classic hymns and the theology found in those stories. Some of you are going to hear new information today. Uh, what, what a truth from God's word. Maybe, maybe you've heard it before, but it never really clicked. You never fully understood it. Some of you have a chance today to really receive this teaching that will change your life, will change your eternity because you'll start a relationship with Jesus. Some of you have heard the, what I'm going to teach today. Maybe you've heard it so many times you are numb to it. I just want to shake you and say, no, no, no. Never get numb to what Jesus has done in your life. And what he has given you. And what I'm going to give you, if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm going to give you a tool today so that you can tell your story of what Jesus did in your life. And so many followers of Jesus are so uh, uh, kind of hesitant of telling their story because like, I, I didn't go to Bible college and I don't, I don't know all these verses and stuff. No, no, no. You don't have to know all that stuff. There's things you can do to help that. But I'm going to, I'm going to make it as simple as possible so that you can tell your story of what Jesus has done for you. So everyone in this room, everyone watching online, this is applicable to all of us, all of us. The backstory of today's hymn is, this hymn is probably one of the most famous hymns in the world, but as I found the backstory, this hymn has impacted the world over, and it's still making an impact today. The story begins in a little country town in England in 1725, a little boy is born and they give him the name John. And John's dad was a, a ship captain and he was always out to sea, does this sound familiar in Kitsap County? He was always out to sea and far away from his, his family for, for, for long periods of time. And, and John got very close to his mother Isabel. And she was so, he was so close to his mom, and his mom loved Jesus, and, and his mom taught him Bible verses. So John memorized, as a child, memorized Bible verses, and, and he also memorized every single hymn from a guy named Isaac Watts. But when John was seven years old, his mother died. And his father was out to sea. His father did not return home until after a year had passed that his mother passed away. And when his dad came back, John was all excited to see his dad again because he had no mom now, just his dad. And his dad found quickly another Italian lady and, and he married her. And then they had a child and John's dad spent all of his energy with his new child. And John felt pushed aside. It's known as a father wound to be kind of neglected or rejected by your dad. And, 
And this father wound would greatly impact John's life in devastating ways. A hurt grew into hatred. Hating God for taking his mom, hating his dad, hating everybody around him. At age 11, John, at age 11, started his life as a sailor on the high seas. And he got into a, a ship that would, ca- would be a part of capturing black slaves from Africa and, 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 and selling them. And, and at a very tender age, in middle school and now high school, he, he is experiencing all that takes place on, on, on a slave ship. And inside, the anguish and the hurt continued to grow. And, and, and John just kind of led a crazy, rebellious, immoral, crazy, drunken life as a teenager. And he swore, this is probably where the phrase came, swore like a sailor. I mean, he swore so much that his own ship captain said this. Not only did did he use the worst language I had ever heard, he created new words that exceeded the limits of verbal debauchery. As this teenager, he's angry at God, angry about life and everyone around him. Well, John was also hated by his shipmates. He was hated so much that one time John got drunk, fell overboard, and they did not throw him ropes. They threw harpoons at him, trying to kill him. They hated him. His lifestyle, his, his hatred toward life, and I mean, he did, they just hated him. And when, when they were in South, South Africa, or West Africa, along the coast there, they hated John so much that they abandoned him in South Africa. They gave John to a slave trader, and the slave trader gave John to his wife, and she abused him and treated him worse than all the other slaves she had. And those guys took off. And for a year, John was a slave in a little island off the coast of Sierra Leone for a year. Hatred grew even more. A year later, he was rescued and got his freedom, got into some other boat, and he lived such an evil life that John gave himself a nickname, the Great Blasphemer. A little insight of how much he hated God. As his pattern, he disobeyed a captain again. Captain was so upset at him that he stripped John naked and flogged him multiple times in front of 350 sailors. And as he's getting flogged, John had these two thoughts. I'm going to kill this captain and I'm going to take my life. Things happen where he didn't take his life. Now he's in his early to mid-twenties, and he finds himself as a captain of a slave ship. And all that went into capturing and selling slaves. But one night, specifically on March 21st, John is faced right into a storm as a ship captain, and he is doing his best to 
you know, get to safety. But this storm was like no other storm he had ever experienced. It was so violent that his best friend on the ship got tossed overboard to his death. For 11 hours straight, John is trying to steer this ship to safety, and it was impossible. And in his kind of moment of complete crisis, he cries out to God for the first time since he was a little boy. Have mercy on us. Have mercy. As soon as he prayed, those prayers, the winds died down. It was on March 21st that John surrendered his heart to God as his Savior and then began reading the Bible for himself. And the rest of his life on March 21st, the day he came to Christ, he would isolate himself and think about his story and where God found him and, and, and how God had changed him and slowly changed him into a completely different man. Uh, since that, that night on March 21st. He walked away from being a, a captain of a slave ship. In fact, he walked away from sailing altogether and became a pastor in a little town in England. He became a pastor. And one New Year's Eve, he was preparing uh, to have in his little church a New Year's Day service. And, and, he, and he was thinking about what message he wanted to preach. And in his preparation, he was like, you know, I, I want to I really challenge my, my congregation of where were you when God found you? Where were you when God found you? And then he thought of his own story and what God, what condition he was in when God found him. And it was in that moment with that theme of a, of a, pass, or a, a message he said, you know, I'm going to write a song. I'm going to write a song about my story. And we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to play it and sing it for my church tomorrow. So he wrote down the word grace. And then he crossed the word grace out. And I'm not going to start it with that. In fact, I'm going to start it with amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear. The hour, the hour on that March 21, the hour I first believed. Played and sang that song for his church the next day. They loved it. They wanted to sing it. Uh, other churches eventually heard about his story turned into a song. And other churches around town, uh, different, different towns wanted to, to sing it at their church. It kind of spread. John kind of got a name, a recognition. He's telling a story as a, as a ship, a, a captain of a slave ship. And, and he, was, he was motivated from taking from the story of Amazing Grace to write a, a book about the slave trade. And he started writing this book about the slave trade and, uh, and how horrible the conditions were on those ships and how demeaning and degrading and horrible the slaves were treated. And, and he put it in, he published, got it published, and it started selling like crazy because many people did not know what took place, began to open the eyes of people of what was really going on. 
Well, because of the song that led to a book, there is a young man in Parliament by the name of William Wilberforce who sought John Newton out and became, he asked him to be his mentor. And it was because of the song of the story that led to the book, Wilberforce said, you know what, I'm going to put it into an act in Parliament, an act for there to be an uh, abolishment of, of slavery. We presented it, it failed big time. He presented it again the next year and the act failed. And year after year, the act for the abolition of slave trade failed. And William Wilberforce was so discouraged that he thought, you know what, maybe I need to get out of parliament and become a pastor and go into the ministry. And he sought out John Newton for counsel and he shared John his, his struggle. Should I leave parliament? Should I become a pastor? And John Newton said this, who knows that for, quotes Esther, for such a time as this, God has raised you up for the good of the church and the good of the nation. And William Wilberforce stayed in Parliament. And nine months before John Newton passed and went into heaven, the act of the abolition of the slave trade passed. Nine months. He could could see the result of his story. It became a song. And because of that, it became a book. And began the domino effect around the world for slave trade to stop. A half century later, Amazing Grace, a half century after it was written, it was long forgotten in England. No one was singing it. A lot of people didn't know about it. But somehow, some way, God took that song and it crossed the Atlantic Ocean and landed in some southern states and American slaves adopted Amazing Grace as their song of hope and redemption. And they changed the tune of the melody. Not the British version, the slave version. The melody that you and I know and sing of Amazing Grace. And that song gave so much hope to slaves in America, and it spread like wildfire across the South. A song that is still providing hope and redemption across the world today. Amazing grace. Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to take a closer look at the theology. What is this whole thing called grace? If you knew the Bible, so you're thinking grace, that's what you say before meals, right? I don't know where that started from, but that's not in the Bible. Let me I'll unpack what this word means, and, and it's an opportunity for you, if you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus, that you can experience the grace of God today. But if you're a believer in Jesus, I'm going to help you in a very simple fashion to help you how to tell your story with your friends and coworkers and family. It's a simple gospel. Gospel means good news. Here's, here's the simple breakdown. You were... But God, by grace. You were, but God, by grace. Let's all say that. You were, but God, by grace. 
I'm going to have the verses on the screen, but if, I like if you have your Bibles, it'll look there so you can make sure I'm, I'm, I'm teaching the truth, all right? But I'm going to have this on the screen and break it down. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says this, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. He's saying, you were, meaning you were once this way. You're now, now, now a believer in Jesus, but at one time, just like Paul was, you were dead, spiritually dead. And it's in your transgressions. This is where we get the word trespass from, that God has put a line there, do not cross, and we cross it. And we cross it. And we cross it. That's called tra- transgressions. And sin. Sin, sin means uh, hit the mark or miss the mark. Here's the mark. Here's the standard. Here's the target of how to live. Here's how, here, here's how to, to, to live with God and with other people. And we miss the target. We're well below the standard, well below the standard in our actions and attitudes and, and what we say and do. He's saying, you were dead, spiritually dead in your transgressions and in your sins. You were. Verse 3, he says, all of us lived among them, those who don't know God. We all lived among them at one time, gratifying, this is how we live, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. I mean, if our body wants to do something, so we do it. body wants to drink something, so we drink it. You know, our, our body wants to have all that kind of fun, and we do it. And it just follows its desires and thoughts. You, you, you used to live this way. He says, like the rest, we were, by nature, deserving of wrath. We cross God's line over and over and over again. We miss the mark over and over and over again. He says, this is the way you used to live. And Paul said, this is the way I used to live. And we were deserving of God's wrath. See, God's a holy, righteous God. And he deals with sin and transgressions. And you can say, I, I, I was this. Maybe some of you are like, I, I am this. I am dead in my sins and transgressions. I, if you're honest, I, I deserve the wrath of God. Now, you may be thinking, but, but I, hold it, hold it. I'm not like John Newton, man. I don't, I don't deal with slaves. I'm not that bad of a person. See, what happens as human beings, we like to compare ourselves with other people and go, well, I'm not like her. I ain't like him. No, no, no. It's how we are with God, who's holy, who's righteous. And when we compare, that's what the Bible really does, compare who we really are and what we really think and what we really do when no one knows what we do, what God does, and compared to God, we are deserving of his wrath. We are deserving of his wrath. In American culture today, is super interesting. It's, there's a phobia, a lot of phobias that we see on the news and stuff, but I say that there's a guilt phobia in America. Like, like whoa, don't, don't make me feel guilty. I don't want to feel guilty. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And who the heck are you to tell me? I'm, I'm not saying this. These scriptures are God's words, not mine. But there's like this phobia of guilt. But the thing about guilt is guilt is often the starting point to grace. Because when we line ourselves to a holy God, we, we know we fall so short. And that guilt, God uses that so that we can experience grace. 
And if, until you see yourself as a sinner, you won't see your need for a savior. So God uses that, man, I blew it again. I, I said, I'm not gonna do it, and I did it. I said, I'm not gonna say it, and I said it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna drink that, I'm not gonna do that. And then we drink it and we do it. That's the bad news. You were. Here's the cool thing. But God. But God. Everything changes. But God. I, I think my third book is going to be called Great Butts in the Bible. <laughs> I, I, had this, I had a series as a youth pastor, and I still got students around the country, you know, oh, man, they, 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 that's the only series they ever remembered because of the name. It's all about Bible verses, or it's going one way and it's bad, and then, but, and everything changes. So we are dead in, <laughs> dead in our sins and transgressions. We are deserving of death, verse 1 and 2, verse 3, but, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. This is but God. Wait, it's going this way, but God. It, it doesn't make sense. With he, he loves us. You know, this great love for us, pathetic human beings. Yep, doesn't make sense. The same God, but, but, but God who's rich in mercy, meaning God has so much mercy, he doesn't know what to do with it all. He just has mercy. Mercy mercy means withhold judgment. I'm going to withhold judgment from you. I'm going to withhold judgment for you. Hey, got some, you need some judgment? No, I'm going to give you mercy. Give you mercy. Here you go. I got so much mercy. He is rich in mercy. Why? I have no idea. That's why this is called good news. Bad news is tough. But God. See, some of you need a but God moment today. That you don't know, you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. See, he, Jesus changes everything. That you were, it was bad. You, it is bad now. But it can change with a but God moment. But I, I, I'm hopeless, but God now gives me hope. I was lost, but, but God found me, right? I, I, I'm a failure, but God gives me his forgiveness. Everything changes, but God. You were, but God, now by grace, by grace. Verse eight, super clear, because we try to, you know, I, I gotta do stuff to get myself in heaven. No, no, it's super clear. You were, but God, for it is now by grace you are, you have been saved through faith. It's called faith in Jesus. And this is not from you. What is this? This is not from you. Say, you can't save yourself. I can't save myself. I need a holy God to save me. And he makes it very clear that it's not us. Because those human beings, we like taking credit for things that we shouldn't take credit for. He says, this is not from yourself. It is a gift. It is the gift of God. Not works. Makes it, again, repeating it. Not works so that no one can boast. Here's what grace means. It doesn't mean a prayer before a meal. In the Bible, grace means 
It is a gift offered from God to you. It's a gift that you don't deserve and you cannot earn. Mercy is, I'm going to give you mercy. That's I'm withholding wrath that you deserve. Grace is like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a gift that you don't deserve and you can't earn. I'm going to give you salvation. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you salvation. You can't earn it and you don't deserve it, God would say. I'm going to give you forgiveness of all your sins, past, present, and future. That is grace. You can't earn God's forgiveness, and you didn't earn it. You can't, you can't earn it, and you don't deserve it. And then God says, but wait, there's more. You trust in me, I'm going to write your name into my family. And forever and ever you'll be with me in heaven. That is a gift of grace that you and I don't deserve, and you and I can't earn it. The gifts of God just keep coming and coming and coming. The Bible talks about, you know, that God's rich in mercy. All talks about the inconceivable grace of God. It's like, it is such a mind blower, the, the gift that God keeps giving us. You see, Jesus was in Jerusalem and Pharisees were always trying to set him up to make him look bad. And they caught a woman in the act of adultery and bring her to Jesus. So sexist because they didn't bring the dude. But brings this woman who's just caught in adultery. Maybe still has sheets around her uh, covering her up. Push, puts her in the middle and says, all right, Jesus, what should be done to her? The Old Testament says we should stone her. What do you say? And Jesus said, okay, well, whoever has, has no sin, you throw the first stone. And then he starts writing something in the sand. Scripture doesn't tell us what's in the sand. It's one of my questions to ask God when we get to heaven. Like, what did you say? Because whatever he wrote, they all went, oh, I'm out. <laughs> She's all by herself. And Jesus goes to this woman. Here's grace in action. Woman, where are your accusers? I don't have them. Jesus says, neither do I accuse you. But by grace, go and sin no more. It's by grace. Jesus tells a story of a son who was ticked off that his dad hadn't died yet. And he wanted, like, could you just die so I can hit my inheritance? Okay, since you're not going to die, I want it. Give me my inheritance, and I'm out of here. Got the inheritance, spending on wine, women, waste. I mean, you name it, he did it, whatever the craving of his flesh did. And he had all these friends, and he's paying for them, and then he has no money, and his friends leave. He finds himself the lowest place a Jewish young man could be. Is in a, he's feeding pigs. In his darkest moment, he was like, you know what? Maybe if I would go home, I could be a servant for my father. Not a son. I can be maybe a servant for my father. And he gathers up his stuff and he begins to walk home. And from a distance, Jesus is telling the story. It's a picture of God toward us. He, he says the father saw his son coming back from afar. And he, and he picked up his tunic and began to run toward his son, which Jewish men, you do not do that. It's like below your dignity. The father didn't care. That's my boy. And here's all this act of grace. He runs to his son and by grace, he hugs him. Didn't deserve it. Didn't earn it. And he says, by grace, bring my boy some new set of clothes. That's grace. By grace, here's put a new ring on his finger. 
son's like, I, I don't deserve this. And, and father didn't even answer him. He says, we're having a party. We're gonna cut, you know, have the fatted lamb. Why? By grace, my son was dead and now he's alive again. My son was lost and now was found. That's, that was a picture Jesus would tell us of our heavenly father and the grace he gives to us sinful human beings. It's by grace. The simple gospel, you were, but God, by grace. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, maybe all this understanding finally took place, the light of grace hit you. It's not found in religion. It's not found by being a good person. It's only found by Jesus Christ, period. He's the only one that can save you. He's the only one that can forgive you. He's the only one that can write your name into his family for heaven. Maybe today you're in the room watching online and go, man, there's so much stuff my friends and family don't know, but you know what, God knows. And today's your day is I, I was and I am to, I'm gonna say, but God, and I want some of that grace. I want that gift of grace. If that is you today, you're gonna receive that gift of grace where you are right now. Doesn't matter the condition you are in. Cry out to God from your heart and say, God, I'm a sinner. You know it, I know it. I need Jesus. I accept Jesus and the gift of salvation that is something I don't deserve and I cannot earn. I trust in Jesus today. The Bible says, boom, you're set, you're written into his family. Sins are forgiven. Old has passed, the Bible says, and now new has started. Maybe you need to accept Christ right where you are today. If you're a follower of Jesus, man, I hope, and I'm getting emotional, it's not for a communication effect. I hope you never, never get over this. I hope, I hope the grace of God is always fresh. And it's like, wow, this is your story. And you have people in your life need to hear your story. That I was, but God, by grace. They need to hear your story so you can point them to Jesus. Right before John Newton died, he had a close friend that was there captured. What we know is the last words of John before he went to heaven. John Newton said this to his friend. He goes, my memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things, that I am a great sinner and that Christ is a great savior. So we are gonna finish every Sunday with the song we just talked about and the theology found in the song. So just a moment, we're gonna stand and sing Amazing Grace. I hope you sing it like you, like you hear it for the first time. We're gonna sing the traditional way and at the end, a new version, fairly new. God, would you draw people to yourself God, thank you. Thank you, thank you for your grace. We were, but you in your love and mercy saved us by grace. We give you praise in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing this song.
thankful for the reminder of God's grace today. I hope you take that message with you. I hope that you pass it along to others. If you're new here, you're a guest, we'd love you to go over to our guest service counter. We have a gift for you. Say thank you for coming and joining us. We hope that you have a wonderful week ahead of you.